0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.
1: If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss.
2: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love
1: Hello, I'm Martin Stark, and welcome to the latest edition of the Total Saints podcast. This is our weekly get-together to discuss all things Southampton Football Club. As always, we're live-streaming our podcast on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch, so if you're watching along tonight, you can leave us a comment as we go. A massive thank you, as always, to our TSP patrons. Last week, Charles Edmonds joined our £5 tier, so welcome, Charles, and thanks as ever for your support. You can visit patreon.com forward slash Total Saints podcast to find out more now we're back doing shameless shout outs for anyone who leaves us a rating and a review on apple podcasts you have to head to apple podcasts search for the show find the ratings and review section at the bottom and if you leave us a nice five-star review i'll make sure that i shout you out next week at the start of the pod now coming up this week defeat at home to everton as the premier league returns we're gonna pick over another disappointing afternoon and it's man city away next the less said about that the better to be fair (laughs) But I guess we'll have to deal with that. Uh, Before we start, we've got some exciting news about the podcast. Now, the Total Saints podcast has been invited by TalkSport to join their new fan network. And this means we're now the official TalkSport Southampton podcast podcast. So starting this week, they begin to help promote the show to Saints fans all over the world through the TalkSport network, and they work in the background helping us to grow the podcast. So you might hear some subtle changes to the pod over the next few weeks, like some additional messages or occasional adverts, but this new partnership is very much a collaboration and it won't change the type of content that we produce in any way. So you'll still get Glenn and Steve and we good on Moan every week. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not about Alex Crook. <laughs> the TSP patrons <laughs> continue to be the backbone of the show, and we're working on providing an ad-free version of the podcast to anybody registered as a TSP patron. Now, our panel for this week are Glenda core the writer of the blog League One Minus Ten, and Jacob Tanzwa, who's the dedicated Southampton FC reporter for The Athletic. Underpinned by our TSP patrons, this is episode 208 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints Podcast. The Premier League is back after the international break, and it's a disappointing 2-1 defeat at home to Everton. Booze ringing out around the stadium at full time. Glenn Rao said that he wasn't unhappy with the performance yesterday.
0: I, for one, was. But were you? <laughs> uh, it's a bit like Les Trust telling everybody to ignore their eyes and um, and believe what she's saying. <laughs> to be honest, there's no problem here. Yeah, it was. I thought it was poor. I thought it was poor. The first half was completely wasted. Complete waste of time. That first half. The second half, we we got the goal and, you know, happy days. And with Everton being the kind of side they are, as in very limited attacking-wise, we basically, if, if we'd have held out for even 10, 15 minutes, they'd have started to throw players forward and then they would have been open for the um, for the counter-attack. But we, um, we of course, gave away an absolutely brainless free kick and conceded a goal from it within a minute, was it? Hmm. I think 90 seconds, wasn't it, or something ridiculous? and then we had the, you know, Che Adams has got to take that first time, and Mm -hmm. he doesn't, it gets blocked, they go straight out the other end and score again. And that kind of goal had been coming, that Onana guy in midfield, he's not very good, but he gets himself in the box. And no one tracked him. The entire game, no one tracked him. So you can blame the midfield for that. You can also blame the centre-halves for not getting the midfield to do it. It was just, just just bad and he didn't have to win the header he just caused chaos and that that led to Dwight McNeil scoring the winning goal so um, I thought it was poor I never thought for the last half an hour that we were going to score I know we had a couple of half chances but whether that's just because I've become conditioned to it now I mean we had the we had Coletta Charles volley which went over we had Adam Armstrong blasting it straight at Pickford I felt that unless the chance fell to Joe Aribo, I realised something yesterday. He's the only forward-going player we've got with any composure in front of goal whatsoever. Everyone else just smashes it or, um, yeah. you know. So unless the chance falls to him, I'm, at the moment, I'm not confident that anyone's going to stick it in the net. Che Adams has gone back to the um, hmm. the Che Adams that we, uh, that we uh, know and get frustrated by. I didn't think it was a great performance. I don't think Ralph covered himself in glory again. Are we going to are we going to get onto that or do you want me to do that now oh no, we'll get on to that uh, we'll
1: definitely get onto that yeah sure.
0: I, you know i i just i just thought I just thought it was kind of flat and poor, and Everton didn't really deserve to win. I thought it was two poor teams out there, but um it was a lack of attacking flair from both sides, especially in that first half. but if you had to pick a team from that game to win it you you probably would say Everton because they had probably the better of the first half, and they they just looked they just looked more dangerous and I think with their the experienced players they've got down the spine of their team and the goalkeeper they've got, I, I'm not surprised that they they managed the game, and um and and managed to win it, um for the last half an hour. So no, I don't I don't think I, I thought if interview was rubbish to be honest. You you can't be not unhappy with with that. It's poor, and with with the games we've got coming up, it's um yeah. <laughs> we'll get onto that as well.
1: Yeah. Well, as you can imagine, the comments are flying in tonight. Jacob, you spoke to the manager after the game. What were your initial thoughts on, on, on how it played out and what he had to say after?
3: Yeah. I think after when the full time whistle blew, I, I tried to think of it as a fan because when you're, you know, when you're in a journalist box, you're always thinking of what, what's the story? What's the angle you're going to go for? And I had a little bit of time be- between the full time whistle and Ralph's presser. And I just thought, what is the story here? And the only thing that struck me was just sadness. It just felt sad to me that like the whole thing, the whole project felt, you know, like it was disintegrating. The, the sadness cup starts from the f- first whistle when he's gone back to the, sh- the shape of everyone you know, he, that basically reinvigorated the team three years ago, four two two two. Everything was supposed to be set up to really go and push Everton, to, to really basically go back to, go back to basics, really. And I didn't see anything. You know, there was no press I'm in possession. I don't know what they were really doing. And everything was just quite sad. And I l- looked... Basically, I spent the last 25 minutes just looking at Ralph because usually he's so full of energy, so full of vigour, and he just looks sad. And it's only one they're only losing by one goal, similar to Aston Villa. And yet there was basically no emotion apart from he had his hands on his hips, he had his arms folded, you know, he look up to the sky if Adam Armstrong, you know, missed it. Everything just seemed like that was it felt like towards the end of a cycle. And I don't know if it will be, but then obviously you speak to Ralph afterwards and I I always ask the first question to Ralph in the presser. So therefore the onus was on me to, you know, set to the say tone. To, yeah, exactly. And I asked for his thoughts. He obviously said that I'm not unhappy comment. And then I had to ask if he feels his job's under pressure. And I think the the mood in the camp, the mood in the club is this is a young team. Like you know, it's a young team. They need patience and you know they expected in consistency like this, but when you see a team that hasn't got any excitement anymore, everything seems to be just pervading out of out of every limb. Really, it it just it just seems sad. Like I say.
1: I, I, that's certainly how I felt yesterday um, when the full time was when, when the team came through, Glenn. I'm sure you were the same as me. I was sat in a bar in Bedford Place, the team came through, and we're really excited by it because we were talking about we want to see some changes. I, I mean, if Elianusi was in that starting lineup yesterday, I was going to get straight on what up to you uh, and start just poking the bear. But I, I saw that lineup and I thought, this is all right. Um, three Was it three full debuts, I think, yesterday? That different formation. But it just didn't translate into that energy for me. They looked a bit nervy, and, and it, it looked like they hadn't been playing together. And I was starting to think, well, what have they been working on for the last well, two
0: weeks? There were six changes. The, the guys who played behind Adams last week, all three of those, okay, fine. They're left out. No problem with that. I don't get why the left-back and... Salisu didn't play. Don't don't understand that at all. Salisu's played international football. He was only in France, I think, and Spain. It's not like it's not like he'd gone to Ghana and played. That so I don't understand why he was left out. Not that that was a major issue because Coletta Char did okay. You know he's a solid kind of experienced player. Larios... I know we probably save money because his kit's so small. We probably save VOT on it. <laughs> um, he's, you know, against the against teams like Everton, he's going to be a problem because he's five foot five or whatever he is. And uh, I mean, we nearly conceded in the very first minute from him getting isolated at the back post. I mean, it's that Anana guy again. He just made made the run. Off of Larios' wing, and you just—oh my word! You know it's six foot four against five foot five. What, what's what's going to happen? So he actually did okay, and he had a hand in the goal actually. But I don't understand why why Pero wasn't playing because he looked fully fit when he came on, um, and Salazar was on the bench. If you you know if you're fit to be on the bench, you, you're fit to start. So I thought there were two changes too many. The shape was was bizarre. It, it was basically the four-two-two-two, but there was absolutely no width. There was no width in front of the fullbacks, and I thought that inhibited the fullbacks as well because they, when they actually got the ball out wide, that against their opposite number, they they couldn't take them on because they knew if they lost the ball, there was absolutely no one behind them, and so that that didn't work. It was just very very uh, there was a lack of cohesion there uh, c- completely, especially in the first half. Second half, Arebo and Armstrong began to find a, a you know a bit more a bit more space in the wide areas because that's where the space is and we we just funneled everything down the middle and that, that just played into Everton's hands really so yeah the, I mean the the lineup I, he had to do something but I don't know why he changed the shape I, I really don't know why he changed the shape that wasn't the problem you know you need two strikers to play four two two two, and we've got Che Adams who's okay on his day Sekumara's nowhere near level nowhere near ready nowhere near not to start games he's alright for a 20 minutes at the end but he, I mean, I don't. He, he played one pass in the first half that got Adams in, and he chipped it over the keeper. But he's not ready. Adam Armstrong isn't good enough. I mean, Mara might be ready in time. So if we're going to play a formation with two strikers, then we need another striker. We haven't got it because throughout pre-season we were playing kind of one up top, and we've gone from the formation we had in pre-season. We had a big reset after the Leeds game. Went to a different formation again, one up top, and now we've. We've had another reset again after an international break. What are we doing? What's, what's our identity? What what are we now? We're not pressing teams anymore. No. And the, the good things that we had last year, you know, on, in our good performances, we pressed well and we passed the ball quickly. We seem to have not done any... We're not doing that and we haven't replaced it with anything any good. Yes, we're more solid at the back, but that's ultimately pointless if you can't string much together going forward. We're not going to be. We're not going to have an individual moment of brilliance that wins us a game one nil. And um yeah, the men against boys thing is, is going to happen more and more often. I mean, I, I'm not blaming him at all. But when Idozi came on, you you saw him trying to run at people. He went past a player, but he he got crowded out every time. It was like they they knew they, they just knew. Funneled, they just funneled him in field, and and then he's. You know he's going to bounce off a centre half like Connor Cody or Tarkovsky or someone like that. So uh, I thought there were I thought there were too many changes. We played a shape that, you know, four two 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 only really works if the spaces between the lines are exactly right. You know, we we had that thing when Ralph joined about markings on the pitch and showing everybody where they needed to be. I've no doubt they were working on that for the last two weeks, but you have four or five players who have not played that formation before and. People looked a bit lost. I mean, we have said this
1: before, Glenn, haven't we? After a uh, international break, it's almost like he's got too much time to think about it, and he overthinks things. And this was one of the criticisms I remember from from last year. I mean, thankfully, we've not had as many international breaks, but it's almost (laughs) when he's got that time to think about it, it it just he overthinks it and
0: overcomplicates things. He had to change something, you know, from the Villa and Wolves games, but I, I think he, I just think he overdid it. And but the one thing he was right about was to be apprehensive about Maitland Niles playing in the centre midfield because he looked lost Hmm. and again I'm not going to be too critical of Maitland-Niles because you know he's probably never played that sort of role before in a two-man midfield when you haven't really got anyone else near you Um, and he seemed to really struggle not helped by the fact he got booked by Andrew Mariner in the first sort of 10 minutes which which probably didn't help him but and I mean Andrew Mariner was useless again I just thought he just nothing major but just had refereeing really it was
1: interesting that Maitland Niles we had to wait that week because he wasn't ready and there was work to do with him and it's like well what was that work Have they kind of like coached out his creativity and his desire because like Mike who's watching on Facebook says Maitland Niles was lost in the centre midfield yeah. just yeah, say it so. was got to agree and Stuart Armstrong as well good in flashes but as Mike says maybe not as fit as um some of the other players and maybe letting the the youngsters down a bit Jacob what was your take on the the, the youngsters that came in yesterday the the new signings and the the people that um that, that came in the, the changes yeah I feel a little bit sorry for them in a way
3: because uh, like Glenn said I, I'm not quite sure the formation was the issue against Aston Villa there was a lot of other issues but I think the formation was you know you know, it works, you know, in other games, Leicester, for example. I just, everyone who plays midfield at the moment, unless your name's Romeo Lavia, is struggling. And I don't think it's to do with the, who it, who actually is in midfield. I think it's more to do with structure. The fact is, there's a lot of space in midfield. And unless you're on Golo Kante times two, fully fit, I don't think you can cover it on your own. There, I think there's a disconnect between the... T- midfield pivot and the number 10s or the wingers or whatever you want to call them and when they lose possession they're so easy to be played around because there's not enough pressure yeah. on the ball straight away so although we can look at Maitland-Niles or Diallo you know they've not been great at all in the last couple of games they are having to do so much work and you know, I wrote the piece about James Ward-Prowse last week and it got you know just like really good debate I think he's, he's been really poor you know it's the poorest I've seen him for a long time but there's so much for these midfielders to do. They're doing everything, and I remember asking Ralph about the lack of press, and he said the midfield is probably the only position on the pitch that they still have to apply pressure like they used to. But when everyone else is not doing it, then nah. you know the spaces are going to get opened up. Everything's going to get bigger, and they're not going to have the control in the game. And I think if you, even if you, I know I joked about Oriol May, but even if you put Oriol May in that team, you know he's not very good at covering large bases either. So nah. I think there's real structural issues. At the club, and Ralph's gone for a reset twice already this season. But it just feels like every single game, every single second half, the same. It's desperation football, hmm. and it's putting an even more of an onus on the midfielders as well to keep attacks alive when they they see six or seven players just run beyond them and and flood the the front line. So, yeah, I think I was just I felt a little bit sorry for some of them. Uh, in parts Mark Sperring's watching
1: on YouTube tonight and he says Everton were the worst team I've seen in a while and we definitely miss Romeo for sure. Um, Glenn, let's have a quick word on the goal because, I mean, it was a decent goal. Good start to the second half and yeah. uh, Joe Aribo is second of the season. As you say, probably our biggest attacking threat at the moment. Um, loves the goal at St Mary's. Not the best of all from Che Adams,
0: but a, a good finish. No, and that's what I meant about Aribo having a bit of composure Yeah, because a, a lot of people would have thought, oh, chance has gone, that's behind me but he he tried to make sure that you know he got the ball in front of him with his with his touch and then um, and then knocked it in, but that goal obviously came from something that was said at half time because Larios picked the ball up and and drove forward with it, which no one was really doing in the first half and that's what um you know he had forty yards in front of him and he he made made good ground. Adams actually moved or you know got himself a little bit of space and it, you know it was a decent enough ball for for a rebo to to get it and put it in the net. I look I looked to Pickford a bit on that goal because it didn't go in the corner and I I'm, I'm thinking was he was he in quite the right place there but we don't care about Pickford. It's always fun when he's shouting when... at everybody else isn't it. Yeah everybody yeah yeah.
1: Else thought, not his. <laughs> yeah. Well every
0: other save he made Mariner gave a goal kick afterwards didn't he? So um <laughs> yeah. So uh no so it was a, it was a decent goal and um yeah and like like I said it was just disappointing that we didn't sort of like manage it and uh Honestly, I honestly reckon if we'd kept them out for for 10, 15 minutes, we would have won the game in the same way that we would have won the game if Adams had scored. Yeah, well, let's talk about those chances, shall we, before we get on to the defending. FPL
1: SWAT is watching on YouTube, says the supporters demanded some positive changes after Villa and they got it. Uh, I was there yesterday, the performance wasn't that bad. If we had a striker, we'd have taken at least a point and we can't blame Ralph for that. Jacob, is that fair? I'm thinking like, Adam Armstrong came on, it had a good impact, a couple of uh, chances to score. Jay Adams could have scored as well. It's, it's fine margins. We could have easily been talking about a 3-1 win.
3: It is, but it was fine margins against Wolves as well, wasn't it?
1: <laughs> I, I,
3: it just seems I'm like every here, yeah, aren't I? Yeah. yeah. I used to, I used to feel like that as well. But I think if it keep, continues to happen, you know, the margins aren't always not going to fall your way, which seems to be the case with Salampton at the moment. So yeah, of course, you know, it seems to me like Adam Armstrong does get into a lot of good positions and does seem to have the majority of Salampton's chances. It just, I don't really know. He does not comp-
0: no, no composure, no composure no. at all, no, none at all. Right.
3: You, yeah. you, but you remember that goal, well, who was it against Aston Villa last year when he hit it first time in the, yeah. the second or third minute? He didn't have any time to think about it. And I know it, that's a, it's a kind of a cliche, but it, and it tends to it tends to be the case, really, you know, power straight away, first time finish. So, of course, I think that's going to be a nagging issue throughout You know, the season, really. The lack of goal scorer, the lack of midfielder, create, creator. But there's got to be some way of finding a way around it. And at the moment, you know, there isn't.
2: There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's not
1: working, is it? It's not happening. Glenn, let's talk about the defending. We had an email just to say um, a little bit about our inability to deal with crosses. And I know there's some stuff because Ralph was talking about this. Um, both goals yesterday, I think it was three of the four against Spurs, if I'm right. Um, the ones in the Leeds game, the Man United goal, Chelsea Wolves, you know, they're all coming from crosses into the box. And we just look massively unorganised when it comes to defending. And again, yesterday, they, they had a set piece coach, uh, which they've changed. They have presumably been working on this for the last couple of weeks. And it's still just not clicking. And and we're, we're almost Leicester-like vulnerable at set pieces.
0: I mean, the, the goals yesterday were caused by mismatches. And they were both caused by the big lad in midfield, Anana. The, the the first goal, he gets himself isolated at the back post against Sekumara, who probably weighs about seven stone. And, he, you know, he, that was an e- easy header across. Why there was no one anywhere near Connor Cody is beyond me. He was completely unmarked. And I think there was another Everton player unmarked as well, who um, who probably could have thrown himself at it and scored if Cody hadn't scored. So that that was just a mismatch. We try and be clever. We tried last year to do this hybrid um, marking of um, you know, mark, you know, some players pick up and some people block. And at the end of the day, your big players have got to mark their big players. It's it's not rocket science. And th- the second goal was. Was as I said earlier, Anana breaking through from midfield, just gets himself in the box. No one went with him. Now, it's you can easily look at Maitland Niles and say, Well, that's your job. You're the most defensive, and he's Maitland Niles is quite a big unit as well. So he should be going with him. But whoever's job it was, no one was doing it. The center arse weren't picking him up, and he was it, was it was just a case of whether Everton could get a across the land on his head. And in the end, they didn't even need to because he he ended up competing against Carl Walker Peters for the header. Um, which is a mismatch again, and um, and then and then McNeil scored. I know people will probably look at Buzunu at the end of the day for getting beaten at the near post, but he smashed the cover off of that. You know that's that's directly behind where I sit, so I I find it hard to be uh, too critical of, um, of Buzunu there. I
1: was going to ask about the keeper actually, because I think if that was McCarthy, we might have been starting to question, you know, two goals yeah. and talking about dominating the box. So just in 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 the balance of fairness, if you like, yeah. Is there any blame for the keeper for, for those goals, or is it just like you say, it was it was well struck? I was pleased that you were at that end because I was at the other end. It
0: it was it was very well struck. I'm sure that Bazuna will think he should have done better with it. And he will probably think he should have done better with the goal at Wolves. You know, the the bobbly one that um mm. that, that kind of went over him. And maybe the one at Villa as well. Yes. You know, so <laughs> maybe the three maybe the last three games he, he will be looking at himself and I'm you know goalkeepers tend to be very self critical and I'm, I'm sure privately he will be he will be thinking that he um, he should have done better but I've got confidence in Bazunu at the moment and I would rather him be in goal and and learning I don't think McCarthy being in goal would have made any difference to the outcome of these last three games to be honest so I'd rather persevere with the youngster and, until there comes a point uh, I mean, after next week might be interesting, <laughs> uh, but I, I, you know, I'd I, I'd persevere with him at the moment because he 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 does add a lot to the you know to the team with the work he does with his feet, and I just I just think he's not the main problem we've got at the moment. Was it your article this week, Jacob, about the the the,
1: the directness of the goal kicks and 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 the percentage of our goal kicks that go long compared to some of the others?
3: Yeah, they've basically filled Burnley's void. Now they've. <laughs> I, know. I was speaking to someone at the club and they were saying that they were really impressed by how far Gavin Buzuni kicks it. And then Shea Adams stayed as well. So it doesn't take rocket scientists to work out, hold on. If Bozuna kicks it long and Shea Adams is quite good at holding the play up, should we just go long every time? And they seem to it seemed to work quite well until Aston Villa decided to actually let them let the two centre-backs have it because Slampton just can't play through the thirds very effectively. And I do feel, in a way, I know it would be quite unpopular, but I think Alex McCarthy, if, he, if he's been in goal for the last three games, he would be getting slaughtered, hmm. I, I think. And I think Gambazoun, I did expect him to be a little bit more influential, a little bit better with his feet. I think a lot of the time it's untidy. His footwork looks a bit untidy. There's some long balls going out of play, and he looks quite shaky in possession. And whether that's because he's not got the options, passing options like he used to have at, in Man City's B team or whatever, I don't think he looks as, as short or as composed as I thought he would be, given that he's a young modern keeper and everyone at Slampton raves, you know, rave so much about him and think so highly of him and I'm sure he's gonna be a great goalkeeper but you've got to be careful that if they go to Man City next week and they lose five six seven that his confidence isn't damaged to such an extent where you have to take him out of the team he has to be protected some at some point and at the moment I just feel he's getting a little bit exposed in certain situations
1: Jamie says, "Imagine if we had Bednarek and Vestergaard at the back this season, Glenn. I mean, it doesn't really—it's <laughs> uh, not really worth thinking about, is it? Because uh, I think we're fed up enough as it is. But pointless, pointless, pointless debate as well. <laughs> Do you think that's part of the problem, though? That like, Jake, uh, he's, he's fresh, he's young, he's got the opportunity to to learn with an experienced back four in front of him. We just don't have that opportunity at the moment, and we can't afford these youngsters that time because they they they've got to start delivering. And I think you pointed out yesterday, it's it's the three... Defeats, but it's against three pretty bang average teams that we'd be expecting yeah. to get something from. That's the problem.
0: Yeah, and it's it's not just the fact we've lost either. It's been the performances. The performances have been terrible. I I, I don't as a Saints fan. I've I've got kind of if I can see where we're going, it's not always going to work. But if if I can see where we're going, what we're trying to do, then I have no problem with it. Yeah, we've got the project, but that's only you know the project of developing youngsters and whatnot. That only goes so far. Sports Republic didn't invest 70 million this summer to go backwards. And they certainly didn't invest it to, you know, look like we're going to get relegated. And that's, you know, their backing and Martin Simmons backing of Ralph is only going to go so far. At the end of the day, whether the players are 18 or whether they're 35, you've, you've got to get some results. You know, we, we, we hear about you know, every day, football's a results business. Another manager's been sacked today, and hmm. um, Bruno Large. And that's because that's of results and because That's because they beat us. <laughs> uh, yeah, and because of pretty poor, pretty poor football. It, it amazes me that Brendan Rogers has still got a job because, you know, Leicester have got higher expectations now, having had the few years that they have. So managers are always, are always vulnerable. And, the, the, you know, young players do have to step up. And it's... It, it's unbelievable that everyone's pointing at the absence of an 18-year-old as being yep. our major problem. I mean, there are, there are young players like Lavia and Bella Kochap who are, who are just they're going to produce high-level performances straight away. I mean, there, there will be a few dips, but they look easily good enough to, to make an impact every game. And then you've got some like Larios and Adozi who look, you know, they'll have good moments. And Sekumara as well they'll they'll have good moments but they're not they don't look to me like first team starter material this season I mean they you know with with getting the odd game and and playing for the for the B team which I'm sure they will do at some point they they may be better in the second half of the season but I I do um I you know people calling for a dozy to start and I I just I just don't see that at the moment he is in in the right place playing 20 minutes at the end of the game Mm. But um, you know, I know that the, the question is basically about about Bizzunu. Yeah, I mean, you you could argue for putting McCarthy back in goal. You, could, I'm sure he'd be really grateful if he got shoved in goal. For it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks. thanks <laughs> a just lot. For, just for that game. Yeah, yeah. Bring bring Angus Gunn back online. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, they could put, could put McCarthy in. They could even put Caballero in. Um, put both in. <laughs> yeah, all both of them. Yeah, And one of them just. Jump on Erling Haaland's back.
1: Matt brings up the um, the statistic that we have got. I think it's twelve points from sixty available. Oh, so, just the the obvious question then for you both, and I guess it's got two parts to this. Jacob, the the owners were there yesterday, so it'd be interesting to see what they made of the the booze at, at full time, and whether they will persist with this because, as Glenn points out, they've invested a lot of money, uh, more than we've had invested for a while. And they're not going to be one of being in a, in a relegation battle. So do they or how long do they persevere if, for example, assuming we're not going to beat Man City, but if we don't get anything, at, I think, West Ham at home? The other part to that question, and a few people have been mentioning this, how much of this is on them because they weren't able to secure the striker which we needed during the window? As exciting as it was to bring in all the young players, they were very clear that we need to get a striker because we need to score some goals and they didn't do that. So do they shoulder some of the responsibility for this?
3: I'll answer the second part of the question first. That's okay. Um, <laughs> they did sign 10 players. They changed a lot of that team. There's only so much you can do in one window. So I think they've done a lot of it has been really good to be fair and there's always gonna be one or two blind spots in a team that you know you need to kind of just adjust until the january or the summer the next summer to answer the second question there's a there'll be a piece coming up tomorrow morning where i can explain a bit more but um ralph us is, is fighting for his job you know there's no getting away from it it's you know as matt says there's what 12 points in 60 games any manager would and just because the loyalty shown in the past to ralph you know being ha- be happening, it doesn't mean it's the case now. I think the club are well aware that there's a now growing shift in the fan base that perhaps Ralph's times come to an end. I think you see that in performances a little bit in terms of there's no excitement anymore. As I said, it felt like sadness yesterday. And there might be other issues you know going on internally at Staplewood and stuff like that, away from the pitch. In training, for example, so it's yeah. As I say, so apologies that I can't really go into detail, but um, I do think that Ralph's uh, job is is at great risk, and um, you know I think there or would it have been surprised if something happened last night either?
1: Okay, well, well I look forward to reading that tomorrow then, um, Glenn. <laughs> same question for you. People talking about managerial changes this year, I guess coming up with the, with the World Cup. Yeah. Is he still here by the time we get to the World Cup? Um,
0: That's what I initially sort of predicted. My, my stance on Ralph is that this time last year, Martin Simmons gave an interview where he said, you know, Ralph is the best manager that we could have. And, and I largely agreed with that one year further on. And I'm totally, don't care whether he stays or goes, to be honest, I, I don't think it would be the worst thing if he went, at, you know, and I think, I think he's lost his enthusiasm. I, th- I thought he was looked thoroughly beaten down at the tail end of last season. And um, I said in the summer when we were talking about it that, you know, he's got to come back with the enthusiasm that he had. And and Jacob made the point before I could. I, I just don't think I just don't think he has. And the team is a reflection of that. We've mm-hmm. certainly looked at the last the last few games. has been this season there's been the odd spark, like the Chelsea game where we look good and the Leicester game where we look good. But in the main it's been sort of limp and uninspired. And on top of the back end of last season, a manager and the results that we've been getting, that the manager is always going to be under pressure with that. So I thought they'd give him to the World Cup, to be honest, given the money that they'd spent in in the summer. But now, uh, you know, you've got to assume we're going to get beat next week and then it's West Ham at home. I think lose that one. And it's game over. With another dodgy performance and i don't think he'll be there the week after
1: it it might depend on who else pulls the trigger of course because now wolves are looking for a new manager and you think that we might be in the market for the same sort of managers the same level as them maybe do you think that? Well, they'll,
0: get, they'll get a portuguese guy we never heard of <laughs> so you know I, I don't i think yeah i, I see you i see your point but i don't think um i don't think wolves are going to be um yeah, I think that they'll get someone obscure, like they normally do. But yeah, they, I mean, you mean Leicester? Have Leicester played this weekend yet, or the play? Uh, they play
1: tomorrow. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the
1: thing. Walking out the ground yesterday, looking at your phone, looking at the fixtures, going right. Well. Let's, the results from the teams around us, you know, let's, let's have Forest lost today, have Wolves lost today, um, who are Leicester playing? And that's not what we want to be doing when we're walking out at five o'clock, just checking and hoping that the results have gone our way and we're not going to drop into the relegation no, zone. And then, so.
0: and then you see a team like Brighton who are doing fantastic. Top
1: four still, there, aren't they? Yeah.
0: Absolutely fantastic the way they're playing at the moment and the results they're getting. And um, there's no reason why they should be that much better than us given the resources that, you know, that, that they've got and, and, and we've got. But they are light years ahead of us. Absolutely light years. And, and that's, you know, that's, I know you shouldn't cast envious eyes on other teams, but you, you can't help it sometimes when you've mm. watched a game like we had yesterday and then seen that they probably should have in Liverpool yesterday.
1: I think Jacob made a good point actually about his body language as well. I was watching like when we got the six minutes of of added time yesterday, Frank Lampard was still there with his sleeves rolled up and he was shouting every bit of encouragement and direction at the team. Ralph was just sat back on the bench with his head in his hands, looked like flat out of ideas yesterday. And I think you can read a lot into that. We need to talk about Man City (laughs) next week, don't we? I'm going to start with the positive, Glenn. We've been known to put in some decent performances against City Yes. Um, when we need them. When the backs went up against the wall, we've managed to get yeah. a draw here or there. Can
0: we get a point at the Etihad? Not if we play like we have been this season. No <laughs> chance. We've, we've got results against City in the past with the 4-2-2-2 formation, with everybody being at it for 90 minutes. And what we tended to do was sort of funnel their play in into our midfield. And then they chuck crosses in and they didn't have anyone in the box. Or who is of any sort of stature, they've got a striker now. Um, can't remember his name. And um, <laughs> that totally changes the dynamic. So you've got to find another way to keep them out because playing, like, playing the way we did last year wouldn't work now mm. because eventually one of the crosses would connect with, with the big guy. So it's going to be very, very difficult. And if we play in the kind of uninspired, sort of lacklustre way that we have done, could be any score you want so we've got to we've got to find a way of playing and play with a whole bunch more of en- of enthusiasm to um, have a chance of getting anything out of there but I think there in a Saints fan around who wouldn't settle for just keeping the score down
1: just to hedge my bets I'm going to say uh because this repeat goes out on voice FM on a Saturday morning so just to say it's going to be a tough game for Alex McCarthy and the caretaker manager uh just in case that happens um <laughs> Jacob, we've seen like today if Manchester City click, then we're going to be in big trouble next week, aren't we? Um, yeah. is, h- how do you even go about approaching this? Uh, because it's going to be a tough, tough week's training. That's that's the thing. I don't know how I'm gonna approach it. Even what what do I write about? <laughs> because everyone knows what... uh,
0: you can't use yeah. the words that I can use as well. Salampton <laughs> <laughs> you know, so,
3: so, so can't can't press them because Harlan will just run it behind. You can't really sit deep and let them cross it because they'll just cross it. I I do envy Ralph, I don't envy Ralph because he's got, you know, he's, he's going to have to find something, a blueprint that keeps the score down, keeps them in the game as long as they can because if they get go early then it could be pretty disastrous but I've always said so that Ralph Arsenault was a fighter and he pulls results out when you least expect it so mm. maybe that'll be next next Saturday.
1: The glimmer of hope. Did you see Harlan's now got as many Premier League hat tricks as Ronaldo, Vardy, and Lampard, but he's only played eight games.
0: Oh, it's absurd! It's, it's absurd. Crazy. I mean, for, what it? It, for what it's worth, I think I think we'll go with five at the back. I think all three centre halves will play. Hmm. Yeah. and it, you know, it'll basically be a back five, probably four in front of them and some sacrificial lamb up front <laughs> chasing around. <laughs> doing and, shuttle runs. Yeah. And um and yeah, doing shuttle runs all day. And and that probably Adam Armstrong they'll pick for that. And um and, and that'll be it. And we'll just try and keep the score down. Ellie says, I
1: can't even bother watching it. I don't know whether to laugh or cry. I had the same thought today. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go and play golf, I think, on Saturday and then (laughs) catch up when I come back. We need to do some predictions for this. So I thought just to make things a little bit difficult, a bit different, maybe we should do what minute will Harlan complete his hat trick? So I was thinking maybe 32. Um, uh, Just... On last week, producer Alex was the only person to pick up a point because um, he thought we might lose. we were all fairly optimistic about Everton, yeah. which I think kind of just underpins um, the problem. Glenn, you're still top of the table with eight points, so um, I'll let you go first. From the guys that aren't here tonight, we've got uh, everything ranging from a 6-2 defeat. I think there's a 4-0, we've got a 5-0, we've got a 6-0. So if you're looking to fill in any of the gaps, there's still a 3-0 left and a 7-0. Or do you want to? You know, I think we might get a get a point out of it.
0: Am I being too negative? (laughs) Normally, I'd normally because I'm because I'm winning, I'd I'd go for us to get a draw. But honestly, I mean, it's just it's it's just a a crazy thing to even expect. I'll go for a relatively respectable four nil defeat. Okay, and
1: uh, Jacob, how long is it going to take you to get to Manchester?
3: Oh gosh, so going up on Friday night, so let's hope the rush hour of tra- traffic's not too bad. Um, I do think Southampton are going to get one. City's defense. Uh, I'm going to try and find some glimmer of optimism. Thank City's you. Defense, City's defense isn't the best at the moment. It's not the most solid. So maybe you know, if Prowse has a free kick, there's a penalty. You know, there's a break. I do expect Samson to get one like 83rd minute when they're already 4-0 down. So I'm going to go 4-1.
1: 4 1. Okay. If you're watching live, by the way, you can stick your um, score predictions inside. There's lots of nines I'm seeing. There's a 10. I think <laughs> ja- Jamie um, said, I would stick £10 on us losing 9 0, but no, my luck, we lose 10 0. So uh, <laughs> uh, by all means, stick your predictions oh. in there. And uh, yeah, looking forward to that one. I just wanted to talk about James Ward-Prowse, actually, Jacob, because I know you wrote about this. Um, Glenn, what were your thoughts this week? Because away on international duty, excluded from the, the England matchday squad to face Germany, um, didn't get any game time while he was away. Yeah. It certainly feels like the World Cup is now a bit of a stretch too far, doesn't it? And, and he needed a good start to the season. He needed to be contributing some either some goals or assists. And through possibly
0: no fault of his own, he's not had that. And it, it, it's not looking good. I think he's been, und- I think he's been undone at club level. I'm not making excuses for him. Um, I think he's been undone at club club level by the injury to Romeo Lavia and the fact that it's been a very average player who's been in midfield with him, whoever it's been. So I, I think that has affected him. That's not a reason why he's hitting the first man every time with his corners. It it just seems everything's sort of going wrong. Um, so for the first sort of 60, 60, 70 minutes yesterday, the corner hit the first man every time, and then he started putting up balloons, basically, that were you know going uh, going beyond the back post which he doesn't normally do so he's obviously lost a bit of confidence the england thing um i think the england game against italy was so bad i think in germany the sorry the germany game i think southgate was probably intended to play ivan tony ward um but the italy game was so bad that he kind of had to go with more or less a first choice lineup because in the build up to the euros he had, he had two games and he literally played played the reserves in the last game hmm. And he probably would have done that again. I see no reason why not. But uh, he had to try and get a result after losing yet again. So, uh, I mean, that, that's another thing. The, I mean, the treatment of Ivan Tony—it was diabolical to give him the give him the call up and the big build up, and then and then not not play him a minute. I'm not surprised that Walprous was left out of these. Um, you know, didn't get a minute in these games. I don't think it. Really affects his chances of going to the World Cup because we've got so few options in midfield. Calvin Phillips is highly unlikely to be fit. Jordan Henderson is struggling for both form and fitness. You've only really got Declan Rice in there. Obviously, Bellingham is a nailed-on starter now, but in, but in terms of you know playing in front of the the back four, there there aren't many options. So he's he's still got he's still got a decent chance, but it, it wouldn't surprise me either way. And I, I do think he's easy to leave out, and that that comes that comes down to who he's played for but you'd be hard pushed at the moment to make a case for him with with the with the form that he's um the showing he's a, he had a good game against Chelsea and I think he was decent against Leicester as well but Certainly since Lavi has been injured, he he's struggled.
1: Is it gonna test Gareth Southgate's loyalty, Jacob? I mean, arguably he was in the form of his life before the Euros and got left out of that squad. So is is the World Cup gonna be a, a stretch too far, do you think, at the moment?
3: Yeah, uh, Gareth Southgate just sees leaving out James Wall prowse as an easy decision. Doesn't cause too many headlines, really. Plays for Southampton, you no, know, and you know, who says Gareth Southgate picks on Mera anyway? You know, he includes Garrett he includes Harry Maguire, so really. James Will Price's club form shouldn't really come into play because yeah. it's at this point of the, or oh, so close to the World Cup, he picks players he can trust and he clearly doesn't feel James Will Price, for whatever reason he can take to a World Cup. Uh, I don't quite understand it, even if he's been, you know, not he's been below par uh, this season. I think he'd be such an asset. But I do feel it comes back to what is happening in his career at Southampton. I know people don't want to say it, but he's 27 years old. The time, you know, Time's ticking. And I think if if he doesn't go to the World Cup, I think there will be serious discussions uh, about his future in even January, but more likely in the summer because something has to give. And I'm sure him working so hard to put in all this dedication in to push for that World Cup and to see everything kind of failing around him at, at club level, you mm-hmm. know, it's probably going to spark a few
1: questions. Mm. Well, two direct free kicks at the Etihad on Saturday afternoon would probably be <laughs> just what the doctor ordered, really. So uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed for that. That's pretty much it for this week. Don't forget you can follow Total Saints Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. It's at Total Saints Pod. Our website, TotalSaints.co.uk, includes a link to our online shop, which is called Total Saints Icons. And you can drop us an email during the week as well if you like. We're also on Patreon, where you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution. Just visit patreon.com slash total saints podcast we've got four different tiers ranging from five pounds to twenty pounds a month and each comes with their own perks including weekly shout outs for those patrons in our francis banali and mick shannon tiers so to that end thanks to dave melton mark atkins matt hall here in our francis banali tier and also to colt baker dave Ernsberger, ed busy nick higston phil cook matt rose and nick reed who are in our Mick Shannon tier. Thanks to Glenn. Thank you to Jacob as well. Thanks for your time, guys. Uh, Enjoy Man City away. And (laughs) thank you very much for listening. And we'll catch you next time.
2: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.